raising up the broken to life. Uh, what we're going to do today in our service, uh, the first part of it, I'm going to have Jimmy Murphy. He's going to come. He went to Malawi a couple of months ago, and he's going to share what, uh, what he did and what they did at the gospel, with the gospel in Malawi. Malawi is also in Africa. And uh, we're going to have him share, and then he'll present, and then I will, I will do my thing once he gets done. So, Jimmy Murphy, you're up, buddy. Morning, everybody. This morning, I uh, used to standing in front of a group. Um, I want to thank the church for its financial support. Um, paid my airfare to Malawi, and uh, I guess there was a group that that also gave some extra money. And I appreciate all that. Um, all that goes to paying for leadership conferences, food, um, travel, everything in, in Malawi. Um, This trip was kind of uh, difficult for me because um, I, I kind of struggle with um, being there, and my my wife and my kids seemed like they were suffering more at home than I was in Malawi. Um, typically, when we go, um, we stay in places where you probably wouldn't want to stay. Um, don't have hot water food's not that great um, this year was nothing like that it was like honestly it was like a vacation and uh, as far as where we stayed and all that um, also um, when we left here we got to the airport uh, to get into Malawi this, this uh, past May you had to have a uh, negative COVID test 72 hours prior to arriving there when we got to the airport there were two the leader Greg Hall and uh, one of the other gentlemen that didn't have their test with them they were waiting to get it electronically and they hadn't got it yet so they had about an hour and a half to get to a place there in Oklahoma City get a COVID test get the results and get back to the airport before we left um, and God being God took care of that with uh, about two minutes to spare um, so that was the first trial for me um, and then we get to Malawi um, like I said I, I kind of struggled because I was questioning because before we left our van wouldn't start. I had to go to Oklahoma City the Monday before and get it going and bring it back. Well, I think the day or two after I left, um, it stopped running again for my wife. So she struggled with that. Um, a few days after I was gone, um, our little three-year-old busted his mouth and she was in the ER for hours dealing with that. So I'm asking God, you know, is this, this where I need to be? I mean, obviously, my wife and my kids are suffering more than I am. Is this where I need to be? And 
in the, the pictures you'll see, there's one where I basically take a selfie of me walking down a trail lead, leading up a hill, and my two guys that I'm with are in, in front of me. And that was the day after the night I was asking God, is this where I need to be? I've been to Malawi. This is my eighth time. And two of the houses we stopped at, after I took that picture, there were two ladies that said they had had um, visions of someone in white bringing a message. So obviously to me that was confirmation from God that you ask a question, here's your answer. You're bringing the message to these people who need it. And then, like I said, I just, um, I kept wondering, why, why do we have hot water? Why, you know, why is all this going on? Why are we having such an easy time with everything? Well, when I got back, um, a few weeks later, um, Greg Hall had uh, posted in, on Facebook that his um, daughter-in-law, who was with us on the trip, uh, was pregnant. So obviously she was pregnant on the trip. Again, I saw that as God saying, here's your answer. This is why it was an easier trip this time than it's been in the past. So, um, Saying all that, um, obviously for me, and I'm sure for many of you, when I'm in front of uh, people that I don't know, it's sometimes a lot easier for me to open up and to share I say that to say that I, I've gone on eight mission trips, but yet I still struggle with my friends and my family to share Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done for me. Um, those things that I spoke about where, where God has revealed himself to me and why he's done things, that's obviously each and every one of you probably have the same, have had the same instances where you've asked questions and God's revealed that. Um, so where I'm coming from is if, if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and we draw our last breath, that accepting Jesus is the only decision that's truly made throughout all of our lives, why wouldn't we share that with each and every one of our friends and family? <clears throat> you know, if I get to heaven and um, the Holy Spirit has led me in Malawi to bring to reach all these people and I look around and they're there but my friends and family aren't I mean, how, how epic is, is my failure as a Christian you know um, that's all I have
Right, amen. Uh, Dirk, keep that video. I'm gonna, we're going to show that to uh, Issa and Tricia and Jerry. And one of these days, one of these days, I've got, I got some with the men in it, okay? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was tame for what we get in Zimbabwe, though. I got to tell you, Jimmy, that was tame. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, he made a statement right there at the end. I hope you caught it. And basically, he said, just to paraphrase it, what good is it for him to go to uh, Malawi and have people that he has personally uh, witnessed to and have come in faith in Christ? And one day, we'll all be together in heaven, and yet, if his family and his friends have never heard the gospel, that's a failure on his part. And, and I, I say that to challenge you and to challenge me that, yeah, we go to these places, but we also have a mission field right here. And they very easily could be sitting beside us or gone back to the back room back there. Why do we go to Zim and why would we go to Malawi? And a few years ago, some went to Ghana. Uh, Matthew 28 there, Dirk. We have the great uh, commission of why we go. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here's what we did pretty much. And teaching them to observe all that I have told you. And I will be with you to the end of the world. That is the great commission. That is the commission not just for myself and for Jimmy. That is the commission for all of us. That we are to go and tell and make disciples and teach them what it means to be a born-again believer. Well, you say, well, I, I really can't do that, Acts 8, 1-8 uh, there, Dirk. I really can't do that. That's not me. Well, well without excuse, Acts 1-8, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my disciples in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the othermost parts of the world. Yeah, you can't do that. I, can't, I couldn't do that. But yeah, you can. Because it says the Holy Spirit, when he lives with inside of you, you can do what he's asked you to do. I got a, had a major league sore throat um, Wednesday, Thursday, and, and Friday. And I was talking like this. And I had two, uh, one presentation one day. I had two presentations on another day. And I was having to tutor some kids for an hour and a half one day. And uh, they told me, he said, don't we'll get somebody else to do it. I said, no, you're not. You didn't send me 12,000 miles to sit on the sidelines. Because you see that verse right there says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will give you the power that you need to do what he's called you to do. And for those two days... I'd be up there and I had a handheld microphone. And about every two or three minutes, the the microphone would go out. And I was projecting all the way back to the wall. And the only way I could do that was because God was empowering me to do those kinds of things. I don't take any credit for that, but we, we serve a mighty God. And when he puts you out there to do a job... He will give you everything that you need to do that job. 
When you go to visit somebody, he will give you the words to speak in that hour, the Bible says, Luke 12, 12. So when you think, I can't do this. Yeah, you can. If God is, is in it, he will give you everything that you need in order to do his, his will and his job. Why go to Zimbabwe? Why go to Malawi? We could do the same thing here, yeah. And we're called to do the same thing here. But you know, as, as we went, um, uh, there's a chance that maybe we might say something. We might give a word of encouragement. We might help some pastor, some deacon, some lay leader that's really frustrated and down about the faith that, may, that maybe he's wanting to quit. And, and, and maybe we just kind of show up and, and, and we say something. Maybe we don't know what we say, but something. And it, another, it sparks them. And, and maybe we go over there and, and maybe, maybe one gets saved, maybe ten, maybe a hundred. We, we don't know. But it's kind of like the little... Uh, the little boy that was with his dad and they were on the beach and they get up one morning and they see all these starfishes that have landed on the beach. And the little boy goes, Dad, what are we going to do with those? And he says, well, we need to throw them back into the water so they'll survive. And the little boy says, hey, Dad, that, that, there's too many. We can't do it. There's just too many. We can't save them. And the dad tells him, son, if we save one, that means that's important for the one that has been saved. And if we go to these countries and we just get one saved or ten saved, whatever, we can't save them all. But if we get one, if we get two, it is the eternal salvation for those one or two. And that makes a huge difference in their lives. Because once they get saved, maybe they go tell somebody else the good news. And they go tell somebody else the good news. And the thing blossoms. I was talking to a man uh, by the name of Moses, Simba. I got two stories about Moses Simba, uh, and I'll show you Moses uh, here. Go ahead and, and run those first six, Dirk. Just kind of just run us through there. Uh, Moses Simba, stop right there. Moses Simba is a guy in the red shirt right there. Uh, Moses Simba, the first, the first time I met him, he tells me of a story. And he says, he said, you know, I had this vision, Don. He said, I'm not a guy that has dreams or visions, but he said, I was, I was sleeping one night. And he said, I had this vision. I didn't know what it meant. And he said, uh, there was a, a white guy sitting at a desk, looked like he was at a church. And he said, I, I was sitting across from him and we were just talking. And he said, you know, I, I didn't know what it meant. And I asked a few people, what, what is that? What do you think this means? And he goes, oh, nobody knew. And he said, he did, this vision just kept rolling over in his mind. And he said, he, uh, about six months later, uh, he was at the conference that we were at. And I got up to speak, and I never met this guy. And he said, you know, I got to looking at you, Don. He said, I, I know this guy somewhere. And then it just dawned on him. He said, Don, you were the guy sitting behind that desk at that church that I was talking to. And this was six, eight months before you ever called me as your pastor. And I just think about that. I get cold chills now, and so does Rhonda. That, that, that God even used that man to say, this is, this is the right thing to do for this church. Second thing I want to tell you about that man. 
he was a successful businessman. Made all the money that he needed. Very comfortable life. God called him to be a pastor about five or six years ago. And he didn't know how to, he didn't know how to uh, tell his wife that he was leaving it all behind to go serve the Lord. And he said one day, uh, his wife came, his name is, her name is Peggy, and she said, uh, Moses, I think you need to be in the ministry. And that's all it took for him to go, yeah, I got approval from my wife. I'm going to go there. And he pastored a church there in, in northern Zimbabwe, and he said he believed that God was calling him somewhere else. And God had called him even further north in, in Zimbabwe to to um, start a church up there. And right now the church has zero members. And he's been there, I don't know, six, eight months. And he says, you know, I am praying for one soul. One soul. That's all he wants. He'll get that one soul one of these days. And that one soul will, became two, will become two. And two will become four. You think you got it hard here? I mean, this guy's preaching to nobody. And he's praying for ones. All he wants is one. That's how faithful those men are over in Zimbabwe. That's how faithful they are. They, life is hard, but they don't care. Because they are serving a, a mighty God that they know. They know for a fact will come through for them. At the very right time. That's Moses Simbi. Uh, his wife just had uh, breast removal for cancer. The other guy is named Enoch, and the other guy is Elisha. He's our song leader. Let me tell you about the conference real quick. I don't, I don't want to spend much time. Uh, uh, run those, th- those six and then start those next six, Dirk. Uh, oh, I got to wait, wait, I got to tell you about that guy. Sorry. Baba Sareva is that man's name. Just to tell you about the power of God. Baba Sareva was a uh, freedom fighter back in the late 70s and 80s, in, in, which was at that time Rhodesia. And he was in the military, and he, uh, he went to a church right in that area where we were at back in that day. And the reason he went for that church was his mission was to kill the pastor and to kill as many white congregation members of that church that's why he went to that church that day and he sat down there according to his testimony he sat down and before he was going to do his deed the preacher started preaching and the bible said and he he tells us that that god began to draw him and the holy spirit began to convict him and before he left that day he received christ as his lord and savior his mission was to kill everybody in that church, and he left that church a born-again believer. He can't see a lick. He is blind as a bat, but he never misses church. The power of God to change people's lives is an amazing thing. That's, my friends, is amazing grace that could change him. Okay, go to the next one. Uh, the, the, what we did, what we did, I'll be real quick. I don't want to spend a lot of time on these, on these pictures very much, but... We had, a, we had a pastor, deacon, lay leader convention. About 120, 130 folks were there. And we took the pastors and we, we talked to them and the deacons and the lay leaders. And, and before we got there, they were talking about that, 
that uh, there was a movement among pastors and churches to to move away from the basics of the gospel, uh, that Jesus is enough. And they began to put Jesus plus uh, good works, Jesus plus circumcision, Jesus plus tithing, Jesus plus whatever, whatever nonsense they want to put on there. And, and, and bypassing John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And they began adding to the gospel. And what we wanted to do is bring them back to the basics, bring them back to the gospel to, to have pastors preaching the truth and not some half-truth and some garbage. So that was the gist of the, of the conference, uh, to bring them back to the gospel. Uh, the first day we talked about, uh, three of us talked about uh, our, the problem every person has. And what is that? That's sin. Every person has it. And we just went, three of us just spoke on those kinds of, that kind of issue, the problem of sin. And, and that day, on that first day, I, I had the opportunity to speak on uh, glimpses of the uh, Messiah in the Old Testament. Some people say, well, the Old Testament is not, it's just Old Testament history. No. It is God revealing a Messiah that's coming down the road some, someday. And we looked at John, uh, Genesis uh, 3.15, where Jesus said, uh, God says there's a Messiah coming who will be born of a woman. We looked at uh, Noah and the ark and has G- how Jesus is that ark of security in a world that's going crazy. And it's also the security of eternal security as you get in the ark of Jesus. We talked about, we talked about that. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, the blood on the doorpost, Israelites, you know, and they sprinkled the perfect blood of that lamb, a picture of Jesus uh, when he would be the perfect lamb of God who, when we have the blood covering us, we are safe and secure from any judgment. We talked about Abraham and Isaac as they were going up the mountain and, and, and they were going to sacrifice Isaac. And Isaac asked his dad, said, Dad, uh, where, is the, uh, where is the sacrifice? Where is he? And he said, God will provide. And remember the story of the ram in the thicket, a picture, a picture of the becoming of the Messiah who would be our sacrifice. You see, the Old Testament, and there's others that we talked about, but there's others. The Old Testament is just as beneficial as the New Testament. And we talked about that. The second day, we talked about uh, um, the solution to sin. We have a problem. What is the solution? We talked about that. Uh, I talked about uh, on that day the idea of false gospels and how evil a false gospel is. Evil. Why is that so evil? That's not, not, not a big deal, is it? Just somebody twisting the gospel a little bit, twisting what God's word. That's not a bad deal, is it? And I'll be honest with you, I used the example of Cheryl Franco, who years ago, somebody shared the true gospel to her, okay? And she got saved, her life was changed because she understood and accepted the true gospel. It wasn't in this gospel, Jesus plus, Jesus plus, whatever. And I told her that she's blind and, and, and most likely she won't be with us here very long. And how important it was for her to hear the true message of the gospel, not some garbage because if she had just accepted some sort of a garbage message that we hear all over America today, she would not have been saved. And when she passes from this earth, she would have busted hell wide open because somebody had told her the wrong message. 
I said, it is eternally, eternally important that we hear the gospel message. And if you start hearing something on TV or listening to it, reading some of them books that are, that are Jesus plus everything in the world, I'd say get rid of it and turn it off. Don't let that garbage into your mind because there's only one way to heaven, and that is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. That's all you need. Jesus is sufficient. Third day, we talked about uh, uh, how do we live out our faith? How are we going to live out this faith? I mean, we have a sin problem. We've we found a solution in Jesus. How are we going to live it out? And I and I and I got to I got to preach on uh, a message that I that I've given here. Why are we still here? Was the message? Why are we still here? Why are you still here? Why am I still here? To glorify God. To be reconciled or made peace with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. To serve and to obey Jesus. And here's a big one. To prepare for eternity. Prepare for eternity. We are to do good works, the Bible says. That's why you're still here. And we are ambassadors for Christ, sharing the gospel. Why are we still here? There's the reasons why we're still here. Why you and I are still here. And I thought the biggest one was to prepare for eternity. The fourth day, we took promises out of Romans 8. Uh, Romans 8, 1, therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 28, and we know God causes all things to work together. You know that verse. My verse was uh, Romans uh, eight eighteen. For I consider the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will reveal to us one day. You see, when, when life gets hard and life gets difficult and we don't know how to keep going and, and what are we going to do? Paul, the Apostle Paul would write, I consider all this stuff that I'm dealing with right now. I consider that. But it's not worthy to, be, to compare with what God has for us later on and down this whole world. This all stuff that we deal with today is just temporary, is it not? If you've been born again. Because one day as a believer, God is going to uh, reward us, if you would, and we will see things that we've never seen before. We'll hear things we've never heard before. Our heart will, cannot even imagine how good he has it for us. I don't know about you, but that's an encouragement to me. The health issues that we go through, I consider the suffering of this present age not worthy to what he has for us later on down the road. That's what we taught him for, for those days. Uh, this, the, the picture there, uh, every day we would get in a circle with the pastors and the deacons would be somewhere else, leadership would be some, and the women would be someplace else. Uh, just encouraging them uh, to be who they all can be. All right, go to the next uh, set there. Just uh, the orphanage was the second part of the, of the trip. Uh, we are there with orphans and uh, uh, 19 of them are there. 19 of these kids, their families, their parents are dead. Dead and gone. They have no place else to go, and they come here. And the thing that just will strike you the most is the smiles on their faces. The smiles on their faces. They have no reason to smile. But they've been brought in here. They are fed three meals a day. The school is just walking distance from them. Uh, They are the most friendly, nicest little kids you've ever seen in your life. Mild-mannered. Why? I don't know why. They have no reason to be that way, and yet they are that way. There's Jim Westmoreland there holding that one. Um, this is where they live, the huts that they live in. 
Uh, two people will live in each hut, two of those kiddos. They get up, they do, they do their chores, and off to work, off to work, which is school for them uh, every day. Uh, that is, uh, at the end of that, uh, we took a couple of days off as R&R, and we went to Flannisburg uh, National uh, Wildlife Refuge, where we went on some game drives. Um, uh, the beauty of God's creation, I, I took that picture as the sun was going down one day. Um, just the different animals, just the impressiveness of that, uh, a, a lion walking be, uh, between me and maybe 10 yards uh, wasn't interested in me. Uh, the giraffe, uh, keep going dirt, elephants there. Uh, rhinos, we had two rhinos blocking the road. We had to wait for them to decide to get up and move before we could get, get up and move. We, we let them have the right of way and, uh, <laughs> and there we sat. Uh, one day we got charged by an elephant and he was not happy that we were there. He had his ears up and here he comes. He's coming running at us and we, we found reverse and got out of there pretty quick. Uh, sun coming up, the beauty of that. And uh, I don't know what else we got to, anything dirt. Uh, that's maybe the best part of the whole trip. Right there. Welcome back, Pop. Um, the orphanage is, uh, is a godsend for those folks, just to be honest with you. They would have nowhere to go, and yet they're getting godly counsel. They're seeing God, God work, and they're happy. Uh, just in conclusion, um, real quick, I just want you to know God's at work around the world. Salvations are happening because of that. It's so cool to listen to them pray in their native tongue. I wish I could hear them, but it, is, it, it sounds a lot better than us. Okay? It just, it just does. It just it sounds so better. Uh, these guys are men of faith. Men that have nothing but they're men of faith and their wives have, have, have faith. And To me, it's just amazing. Um, I just want to thank you for sending me, sending Jimmy, I pan her away. And I, like I told you, uh, Arapaho has a big footprint. And there's, there's pictures of Zim. And uh, there, there, there we are uh, in relation to the rest of Africa, kind of down south. Kind of give you a perspective there, okay? All right, last thing I want to do is, and real quick, and I apologize, we've gone on just a little bit. I want to go play that uh, video, Dirk, with the music. And, uh, and then we'll conclude our service. Jimmy Murphy and Mark Meacham took us down there, took the crew down there.
Uh, one other verse I want to read, then we'll, we'll get you out of here. And this is uh, probably from, uh, from my heart as I read these verses. Matter of fact, I've got in my book, uh, my Bible in bracket, it says Zimbabwe. And this is my heart, and I hope this would be your heart toward those folks in Zimbabwe or Malawi or wherever. And it's Paul writing the, uh, to the Romans, and he's sitting in a Romans jail. And, and he's writing to them, not at Romans jail, uh, Ephesians jail probably. And he says this in verse 10. He says, always in my prayers making requests. If perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. That's a heart that we have, that I have, Jimmy has. Verse 11, for I long to see you that you may impart some spiritual gift to me, that you may be established. Verse 12, that is that I may be encouragement together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Those are perfect verses of what I feel like when I go to Zimbabwe. That we go to give a, a blessing, we go to encourage, we go to help, to, to help them be faithful. But in turn, when you give, as the word says, you get it in return. And that is what we have received. We receive encouragement. We receive a faith that is undying, that we see them uh, more so than we ever thought we could ever see here. And those verses just speak to me as, as I... As I prepare hopefully for another trip one day I long to be back to see those people one of the pastors said my heart is full as we leave and yeah I agree with that but I told him mine's not as full because I've left a piece of my heart in the land of Zimbabwe because of the faithfulness of you guys may we all be ambassadors for Christ you don't have to go to Zim to, t to tell somebody the good news of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Father, I, I, you have more than blessed me and Jimmy by allowing us to go to be your ambassadors. Allowing us to go to somewhere else and, and spread your gospel. To bring hope, bring encouragement to others, and in turn they give it back to us. Thank you, Father, for that. And Father, I pray that we will take that encouragement, that faithfulness, and we will turn it into right here. That we will be a people that want to share with somebody else here. Maybe a family member, maybe a neighbor, maybe a co worker. Father, I pray you will just unlock our tongues, that we will be able to share the hope of the gospel of Jesus to someone who really needs it. That we speak truth into those lives. Because, Father, heaven will be tremendous. But the only way to get there is through Jesus. So, Father, I pray that we will be those kind of people. This will be this kind of a church. That we want to share the gospel. We want to invite people to come. And then we just, when they come, Father, we want to love on them. Uh, with the only the kind of love that you give us. Father, again, I thank you for this church and sending us. And Father, we, we pray that we, we brought you glory and honor uh, as we went over there. Father, we love you. We thank you. Uh, continue, Father, to just uh, watch over this church, this body of believers. And thank you for all the many times you just blessed us with your blessings. In your holy and precious name, Father, I ask these things. Amen.
All right, you guys are dismissed. Have a great day. Behave yourself, and we'll crank up next week.